the surviving and the lost letters of Swamiji Maharaj and the mystery of Swamiji's well. Today on this Sant Mat Satsang podcast edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio, a podcast going out to the Sant Mat community, those who follow inner light and sound meditation, sometimes called Surat Shabd Yoga, the path of the masters, an online satsang resource for seekers and followers, those interested in this path. Today represents two programs in one. The first part pertains to some Radhaswami history. I explore the mystery of Swamiji's well, the lost letters and other documents, what some of them might have been and the politics behind the destruction of those sacred writings. The second part is going to be a satsang consisting of spiritual readings from the surviving letters of Swamiji Maharaj, which are very wonderful, very genuine, spiritually uplifting, containing much authentic wisdom for spiritual seekers as well as devotees on the path. Sometimes I like to delve into the history of the path, and the first part of today's podcast is definitely going to be that. Swamiji Maharaj had a well located at Swamibhag in Agra, and some documents were tossed down that well by Chachaji, who also is known as Lala Seth Pratap Singh, the youngest brother of Swamiji Maharaj. Sometimes the writings of Swamiji in the Sant Mat community remind me a little bit of the Nag Hammadi Library and its relationship to Christianity. For instance, there are some that have conspiracy theories that the Sarbachan Radha Swami poetry has been altered and wasn't really authored by Swamiji, or not much of it, or a certain percentage of it was actually written by Saligram, or redacted, re-edited, heavily edited by Saligram. And, you know, some of those writings are not really used by some branches of Sant Mat. It kind of reminds me of the, of the lost Gnostic Gospels in Christianity, to some extent, some forgotten writings that are very important, and so I've always devoted a lot of time to them, have studied them, and have them all online now. A bit later on in the program, I'll share with you uh, how to get access to all of those writings for free on the World Wide Web. We begin with the destruction of many letters of Swamiji Maharaj. And that also reminds me of the Nag Hammadi Library legacy, the destruction, the censorship of vitally important documents. The following account is found in a rare book called Bhaktamal of the Radha Swami faith by Sant Das Maheshwari, pages 25 and 26. The word Bhaktamal means biographical accounts of bhaktas or devotees. In this case, some of the earliest disciples of Swamiji Maharaj in Agra. One thing which Chachaji, Lala Seth Pratap Singh, the youngest brother of Swamiji Maharaj, did 
and which will always be remembered was that one day, heaven knows what brainwave he had, he tied up into a bundle many letters of Swamiji Maharaj in his own handwriting, his other papers as well as many articles of his use, and dropped the bundle into the well at Swamibhag, sanctified by Swamiji Maharaj. He then went to Lala Toterbaum and told him what he had done. Hearing him, Lala Totaram gave out a shriek and said, O Chacha Ji Sahib, what have you done? Chacha Ji Sahib replied, Brother, I know the value of these things. There is no knowing in whose hands these precious things will fall and whether they will be preserved with due care. That is why I thought that I should rather drop them into the well, sanctified by Swamiji Maharaj himself. Said Lala Totaram, But we are here. Who can realize their worth? You could have given them over to us. Be that as it may, Chachaji Sahib too very much repented of his action afterwards. But what could be done? Done is done and cannot be undone. It is a matter of some satisfaction, however, that the well into which the mouthwash of Swamiji Maharaj and the water sanctified by him had been poured also turned out to be the repository of many of his articles of use. Lala Totaram requested Chachaji Sahib to give him any letters or papers in the handwriting of Swamiji Maharaj or any articles of his use which Chachaji might still have in his possession, so that they could be preserved in satsang as relics. Chachaji Sahib's reply was that he had no such thing with him anymore, but he promised to make a search, and if he should find anything, he would give it to Lala Totaram. Four to six months thereafter, Chachaji Sahib brought a letter written by Swamiji Maharaj to Rai Bindraban Sahib and gave it over to Lala Totaram saying, Take this, I could trace it to your luck. Or in other words, because of your request, I did hunt and search and did find, I did come up with one surviving letter of Swamiji that had not been tossed down the well a facsimile of this letter is preserved on page 12 of the book Bhaktamal of the Radhaswami Faith. And a bit later on, during this podcast, I'll share with you that letter, which of course has been translated into English, as well as there are five other surviving letters, five wonderful letters of Swamiji Maharaj to his disciple and spiritual successor, Hazur Maharaj Rai Salagram. Those are really wonderful letters, and I will share those with you on today's edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio. Recently, I wrote a letter to the Gudhari Sahib Ashram in Lucknow, asking if they have any copies of letters between Swamiji Maharaj and Gudhari Sahib. It's a long shot, but... You know, if the answer turns out to be yes, that would be a major historic development, wouldn't it? 
to come up with a few more letters, a few more misplaced or lost letters of Swamiji Maharaj. Letters that weren't in Agra, but were in Lucknow, because Swamiji corresponded with Gudhari Sahib, and so presumably there might have been some letters back and forth between those two, and some of those might have been located in Lucknow and therefore saved from destruction, or at least uh, we may hope that that is the case, that there are a few letters of Swamiji out there somewhere, perhaps in the possession of the Sant Gudhari Sahib Ashram or Mandir in Lucknow. I will let you know if I should find out any results of this query of mine on a future program. So, what are the politics of such destruction of documents? I refer back to that line of Chacha Ji uh, shedding some light on his motives for tossing those letters down the well. There is no knowing in whose hands these precious things will fall and whether they will be preserved with due care. In other words, he is seeing in those letters that he had in his possession some things that might not be desirable for the greater population to know about. And so why not destroy them? Why not toss them down the well so they cannot be, quote, misinterpreted, unquote. There's just something in there that he saw that he thought best not fall into the wrong hands. So to keep it in the family and to destroy those documents so others might not see seems to be his primary motive. I wrote an article called Denying or Minimizing Past Guru Affiliations. Minimizing, minimalizing past guru affiliations. So I thought I would address this issue of censorship. You know, the lost years of Jesus, edited out. Letters down Swami G's well. The destruction of some of the information about the life and teachings of Swamiji Maharaj. There are many examples of this. So I wanted to write an article that addresses this issue of taking knowledge and hiding it away so that we might not see, that we might not know the full story. I begin with other examples in history of minimizing and minimalizing past connections. Although Dadu Dayal of Rajasthan himself stressed that caste, in fact, was not important, later disciples in his sect tried to hide his possible Muslim origin and Muslim preceptor and invented an explanation for his connection with the cotton carters, unquote. That's a, a quote from a book called Dadu and the Dadu Panth by a Dutch scholar. And evidently, cotton carters, you know, that's a trade associated with Muslims and uh, was associated with Dadu as well. So 
some disciples tried to hide something about his early years, his Muslim background, family background. In the cases of several major saints or saints of history, the identity of their gurus is completely lost or got obscured by the passage of time to the degree that several competing theories arise about who exactly someone's guru might have been. Often, with later generations of followers, any connections to past initiating gurus recedes into the background or is denied as they proclaim a Kabir, a Guru Nanak, Darya Sahib of Bihar, Dadu, or Swamiji Maharaj as being born saints without any need of having a living master. Sometimes, rather than an outright denial of past associations with a Satguru, another strategy is that of minimizing or minimalizing the significance of past associations, the downward spinning of the details in order to distance their community, their Sangat, from the Sangats or spiritual communities of others, as if such knowledge of the history of past associations somehow diminishes or threatens the legacy of their founding guru, a point of view I do not share and have no respect for whatsoever, as such revisionism goes against the wishes of the above-mentioned saints. In my view, what really does diminish the legacy of some saints is not the truth of their past history and associations, but the hard-hearted spirit of sectarianism of some later adherents not being truthful, violating the principles of truthfulness and non-violence, satya and ahimsa. Denying or minimizing past affiliations is an often, an all too often, repeated pattern in the history of spiritual movements. At first, Ekankar denied any connection to Santmat. Kripal, who? Also, former Ekist Michael Turner, actually received initiation from a representative of Takar Singh, the Know Thyself as Soul group. After all, the Santmat version of Surat Yoga and the Five Names had to come from somewhere. He had to, uh, Michael Turner, had to learn about those things somewhere, and that somewhere was not from the teachings of Darwin Gross, of Ekankar, but anyone wouldn't even be aware of the Takar Singh-Michael Turner connection without having sifted through reams of obscure posts at the alt-meditation Shabda and the alt-religion Ekankar news groups made many years ago when those Usenet news groups were an active part of the Internet. In Christianity, we have the missing years of Jesus, presumably a history of a younger, rather human Jesus sitting at the feet of various rabbis, and his teacher, John the Baptist. John the Baptist got rebranded as a kind of forerunner teacher, a warm-up act, if you will, preparing the way for the Messiah. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is made to say that the least of his disciples were all greater than John the Baptist. And yet many, or perhaps even the majority of followers of John the Baptist never did embrace Jesus as John's spiritual successor, for them, John the Baptist was the Messiah, or the great prophet of the age, and not anyone's warm-up act or forerunner. See the book, The Mandaean Book of John the Baptizer. 
Later on, others would make use of that same John Jesus forerunner warm-up act characterization. The Bab was portrayed as the forerunner, like John, of the Baha'u'llah, or Baha'u'llah of the Baha'i faith in Iran. Ramanan got revised into being made a forerunner guru, or perhaps even a token guru of Kabir, because in the view of some, the disciple is greater than his master if he becomes more famous, perhaps. The John-Jesus analogy came out again more recently, as some have described Sant Tulsi Sahib of Hathras as being a kind of forerunner guru for Swamiji Maharaj. Case in point, one can see a familiar pattern of denying and minimalizing going on in the biography of Swamiji Maharaj authored by Pratap Singh, also known as Chacha Ji, once again, uh, attempting to achieve a fascinating balancing act of downwardly spinning or minimizing certain key details about Swamiji, and yet at the same time, he knew he could only take that so far before losing all credibility with his readers who were, to some extent, already acquainted with the life of Swamiji Maharaj. One, Chachaji denied that Swamiji had been initiated by Tulsi Sahib, but did acknowledge that most everyone in Swamiji's family and the family of his wife Radhaji were all followers of Tulsi Sahib, part of the Tulsi Sahib satsang. And two, Chachaji acknowledged that Swamiji had a close association with a successor guru of Tulsi Sahib by the name of Gudhari Sahib, and yet rebranded him as a sadhu and didn't have the same respect for him as Swamiji, using unflattering descriptions of Gudhari in an attempt to diminish his stature a bit, making him into a sub-sant or token guru, a Ramanand or John the Baptist lesser character in Swamiji's life. Three, Chachaji was also rather quiet about Swamiji's home satsang at Panagali that began during the mid-1850s. Without being acquainted with the history of this period in Swamiji's life or having other sources to be informed by, the reader might assume that Swamiji's satsang effort commenced in 1861. It did go public that year. It did go public in 1861. Uh, many people, but actually many people believe that the satsang itself started or came into existence in 1861. Why did Chachaji wish to avoid devoting much time to the home satsang activities of Swamiji Maharaj prior to 1861? From my perspective, it seems the answer to that question is likely to be identical to the answer to this question. Why would Pratap Singh or Chachaji destroy handwritten papers of Swamiji Maharaj by throwing them down Swamiji's well? We're back to the well. We're standing at the, the well, looking down into the well. The mystery of Swamiji's well. Gudhari Sahib denial, I really suspect, is the reason for those documents being tossed down the well. Uh, there was more that could have been said about the association between Swamiji Maharaj and Gudhari Sahib 
of the Tulsi Sahib satsang and goings-on in the satsangs they presided over in Agra and in Lucknow, two sister satsangs that Swamiji Maharaj was involved in. And I strongly suspect that most likely writings of Swamiji to the most likely writings of Swamiji to be destroyed by Pratap would have been letters between Swamiji Maharaj in Agra and Gudhari Sahib in Lucknow. As I understand the history of that period, there were two sister satsangs. One home satsang at Panagali in Agra, presided over by Swamiji Maharaj. This was based at Swamiji's family home. And this is a reading from the book, The Great Saint Baba Jamal Singh, His Life and Teachings by Kripal Singh, reflecting back on that period of time. In those days, during the mid-50s, the mid-1850s, Swamiji did not have a large following. He had not yet begun giving public discourses and confined his meetings to small private audiences at his home in Panagali. After having discontinued his talks at a Sikh temple or Gudwara, Seven or eight of his disciples were especially devoted to him and constantly sought his company, and there was great affection and harmony." Unquote. A quote from Kirpal Singh's book, A Great Saint, Baba Jamal Singh, His Life and Teachings. And of course, in that book, it talks about Baba Jamal Singh discovering Swamiji's satsang and going on over to the house there in Pandagali and uh, discussing, showing, you know, we got to see through his eyes briefly uh, the earliest days of Swamiji Maharaja's satsang there in uh, Agra at uh, Pandagali, where his family home was. Swamiji also had another house in Lucknow. It too served as a home base for a satsang mission. It was led by Maharaj Gudhari Sahib. Gudhari was the spiritual successor of Tulsi Sahib that Swamiji was very close to and supported for many years, right up till the time of Gudhari's passing in 1860, just a few months before 1861. Pratap and generally immediate family members of gurus are often very uptight and have the urge to be very controlling in order to protect the name and legacy of their famous family guru. A while back, I remember reading some accounts about the family of the Buddha boy from Nepal. You may remember the Buddha boy making the news a couple years back, a few years back. The Buddha boy from Nepal that got a lot of attention a few years ago. And that reminded me of Pratap, or Chachaji as he's also known, and other situations in the history of family gurus in Santmat. Fortunately, we got some statements from other less uptight, not so controlling disciples of Swamiji who had not so guarded things to say about Swamiji's associations with both Tulsi Sahib of Hathras and Gudhari Sahib of Lucknow. There's more material in Hindi about Gudhari that is discussed by a few different Indian scholars, but there have been at least some things that have appeared in English about this relationship between Swamiji Maharaj and Gudhari Sahib. 
one of the gurus or living masters, you know, uh, succeeding Telsi Sahib of Hathras. And I've got that all written down in an article called Gudhari Sahib, the Unknown Guru of Radhaswami History. And I also have a couple of podcasts, earlier podcasts, part one and part two, about the uh, relationship between Swamiji Maharaj and this other living master by the name of Gudhari Sahib, a spiritual successor of Tulsi Sahib. A few months after Gudhari Sahib passed on, in August of 1860, is when Swamiji went public with his satsang mission. In Lucknow, the successor of Gudhari was Sri Dahal Sahib, what had been two sister satsangs united by a close association between Swamiji Maharaj and Gudhari Sahib, who was viewed as a main successor satguru of Tulsi Sahib, became a situation of each satsang completely going its own way, one led by Swamiji in Agra and the other led by Sri Dahal in Lucknow. At present, it's unclear what happened to Swamiji's other house, the house in Lucknow. Did it get incorporated into the ashram that was eventually built there? Is that house still historically preserved as a holy site? Or did it just, you know, all fall down and turn to dust? Or if that Lucknow ashram was built at another location, and so, you know, did it get forgotten about? Or... Is it preserved? Is it like a house that's uh, enclosed by other uh, parts of a larger ashram site? Not really sure. Not really sure, but would love to find out. If Swamiji's house is still there, preserved as a kind of holy site in the city of Lucknow, I would love to have someone who's there with a nice uh, phone that can take some photos to do so and uh, email them to me. <laughs> because it would be great to see that other house of Swamiji Maharaj in Lucknow, if it's still there. So anyway, long story short, I believe that Chachaji, also known as Pratap Singh, uh, decided that this relationship between Gudhari Sahib and Swamiji uh, isn't something that he wanted too well known. So in order to create a clean break from the past, he threw down the well some letters between Gudhari and Swamiji Maharaj and some other things too. Who knows, really, the whole collection. It could, it could be letters between Swamiji and Baba Jamal Singh. Any number of possibilities there, right? When you have like a whole bundle of letters, you know. But basically, I think that's the motive there to make a clean break from the past so that we don't get to know much about uh, the association between Swamiji Maharaj and uh, the guru he was associated with, Maharaj Gudhari Sahib in Lucknow. And as I mentioned, I wrote a letter to the ashram there in Lucknow asking if they have, by any chance, uh, some copies of letters between Swamiji and Gudhari. I'm not really holding my breath, not really expecting any eureka moments, any historic revelations, you know, some lost letters of Swamiji coming to light, but 
I, I believe it's important to make the effort to write that letter and at least ask, because uh, Swamiji was a great spiritual master, and so the more we can learn about him and get back, you know, some of that lost knowledge up from the well, you know, all the better. Coming up next, the surviving letters of Swamiji Maharaj. After the the boring history part, at least for some probably, a kind of, you know, getting lost in the weeds kind of boring history, uh, we return to spiritual teachings, the surviving letters of Swamiji Maharaj. Some beautiful letters, beautiful satsang material. Swamiji's first letter to Hazura Maharaj, his disciple and eventual spiritual successor, Hazura Maharaj, Raisalagram. My dearest and dearer than life, I wish you all health and happiness, but keep uppermost in your mind bhajan, dhyan, and devotion to the Supreme Being. The grace of the Supreme Being on you is the same as it was before. Attune yourself to the will of the Lord, renouncing all thoughts of the past and future. Keep your spirit immersed in Shabd at the time of Bhajan. Fix your spirit in Shabd and Shabd is in Gagan. Fill your heart with yearning and heart is at Trikuti. Unite your spirit with Shabd and see beauteous sights. The till is located within Sukhmana, an artery of the human body which lies between Ida on the right and Pingla on the left. And the form of Jyoti is in the till. Sit in Bhajan after making your mind and spirit calm with the help of love and yearning. By the grace of the Guru, your object will be gained, rest assured, and have no fear whatsoever. That was letter number one. Some footnotes and explanation along the way. Keep uppermost in your mind bhajan, dhyan, and devotion to the Supreme Being. This is Santmat spiritual practice in daily life for the satsangi. Bhajan refers to meditating upon the inner sound. Dion has two levels of meaning, one visualizing the form of the master, your initiating guru. Dion also means meditating upon the inner light, seeing inner light during meditation. And, of course, devotion or bhakti of the Supreme Being is the foundation of the path. Keep your spirit immersed in Shabd at the time of bhajan. So, in other words, we not only hear sound during meditation, but it's more than just hearing. 
we are focused upon that sound to the degree that we become one with it, like a fish swimming upstream. Only in this case, the fish is the attention faculty of the soul devoting all of its attention, having absolute riveted attention upon the sound to the degree that we become one with it. We are immersed into the sound. And the stream that the fish swims in is the holy stream of sound. We become absorbed into the sound. Fix your spirit in Shabd, or the sound current, and Shabd is in Gigan, the mystic sky. Unite your spirit with Shabd and see beauteous sights. The till, that's referring to Tishra till, or the third eye. The form of Jyoti, or light, is in the till. One sees inner light at the third eye center. Jyoti is another term for mystic light, spiritual or inner light. Sit in bhajan after making your mind and spirit calm with the help of love and yearning. Letter number two. Which is kind of conveyed you know, from someone to Hazur. The contents of your letter have been read out to Hazur Swamiji Maharaj, and your cherished wish has been conveyed to him. Hazur was greatly pleased, and he graciously observed, Your request is granted. Love and devotion, yearning and earnestness would now go on increasing day by day. If the Lord pleases and... It is, in fact, his pleasure. You would not forget him, even for a moment. Rest assured that his loving memory will always remain with you inwardly, in a subtle form. This gift is bestowed on you as a matter of grace, for you have done nothing to incur so much of Hazur's pleasure as to deserve such a great gift, just as a charitable person gives to an inopportunate beggar out of his habitual compassion, so to you also. He has given, given, given. You will now come soon. The Lord is omnipotent. Unquote. Letter number three of five. Beloved of the Satguru, blessed of the Lord, adorned with Shabd, my dear Salagram, Always remember the Lord. My blessings to you are that with a sincere mind, sincere spirit, sincere love, sincere devotion, sincere yearning, and sincere attention in the contemplation of the Guru, you may peruse this letter, your letter full of love and yearning to hand. I have understood its express and implied contents. Although I keep on praying for your physical attendance at his court, yet no definite reply is forthcoming so far. It appears, however, from the existing situation that special grace and mercy are being bestowed on you in a greater measure. Therefore, 
giving up all restlessness, keeping his maj or will uppermost, consider him as your savior. Although you are deprived of darshan, satsang, siva, and attendance on the guru at present, yet do not imagine this is detrimental to your interests in any way. He is present with you all the time in shabd form. Therefore banish all worry and look with sincere attention and spirit and you will get his vision. Such a situation is also not without some hidden good. There is certainly joy and pleasure in union, but at intervals, separation is also equally desirable. Certainly you are likely to be present here soon. Whatever earnings of bhajan you make, bring that capital, bring that capital as a present to me. I look forward to you for this yearning. You are yearning for all. What is wrong with my lot that you are so slow in this respect? If you come empty-handed, then you will be classed among the unworthy sons and idlers and will be disgraced. Take care, be alert, come to me with due caution. You have been sent away already, and you will be turned out again. It is therefore proper that, giving up sloth and pacifying the mind, do your best in bhajan. In short, what I mean is that you bring such a wonderful and novel present for me that hearing about and seeing it I may feel a unique pleasure, else the Lord is all-powerful and know ye that he is ever kind on you. And that was letter number three, where Hazur apparently in his letter to Swamiji expressed being lonely, not being able to attend satsang or visit Swamiji in person, having a vision or darshan of Swamiji attending the satsang and doing siva or selfless service in person. So he is evidently someplace else and kind of uh, yearning to visit Swamiji, but Swamiji is uh, counseling him to make the best of his situation to meditate and turn it into a blessing that there's got to be time of separation in order to really appreciate, you know, visiting again in person. A great blessing in that separation and that yearning phase, you know, being separated from your spiritual master and satsang, learning to appreciate it all the more. Letter number four of five. My dear Salagram, always remember the Lord, and knowing that he is always with you, imbue yourself with his love. I have come to know the state of your restlessness and uneasiness all these days owing to separation and overflow of love. But the Lord is with you all the time. Why are you so restless? This too is a sort of joy which is particularly bestowed on lovers only, and its relish is experienced only during the state of separation. Its bitterness, in fact, is also very sweet indeed. Of course, outward darshan you get only occasionally, 
But the Lord is watchful in shabbed form and is always with you. Lord in shabbed form is always with you and is never far. Have patience and you will get a glimpse of true light. Satnam, the name of Sat Purush, is resounding in Satlok. Raise your surat with shabd, and you will have darshan of the refulgent form of the Lord. Be saturated with his love and yearning. Keep away from evil tendencies and leanings. Combating the mind and its forces, remain absorbed and shabd. Further, your letter of yearning was read out in the assembly of all the satsangis. All were pleased to hear it, and in a way it served as an example to them all to emulate and learn what true love means. The Lord will, out of his own grace and mercy, bestow upon you the blessings of true love in its entirety. Further, the Lord is all-powerful. Radhaji sends her blessings for your welfare and is pleased with you and says that she will intercede on your behalf for your early return. Unquote. Radhaji is Swamiji's wife. And like the previous letter, and it kind of makes sense that, you know, this is a, a reply to a letter when you're someplace far away and not with your spiritual master. You know, it's about uh, separation and loneliness and, you know, off someplace else and uh, expressing a sense of uh, loneliness and wishing to uh, return. Uh, defining that term, Lord in shabbed form is always with you. That was also mentioned in the previous letter. Um, the Supreme Being is within everyone in the form of inner light and inner sound. And so God is with you, even if you're far from your spiritual master and his satsang and community and you're stuck off someplace in some spiritual wilderness, far from satsang, far from spiritual community, nevertheless, God is with you. God is within you. The Lord in shabd form, the supreme being in shabd form is always with you. Satnam, the name of Sat Purush, the true name, the name of the true original Supreme Being, is resounding in the true eternal timeless realm, or Sat Lok. Raise the attention faculty of your soul with Shabd, meditating upon the inner sound, and you will have a vision of the refulgent form of the Lord. Be saturated with his love and yearning, Remain absorbed in Shabd or Shabd or Shabda, the positive power of the sound current. A very beautiful letter about the spiritual journey. And it's very God-centric, isn't it? I mean, there's a role for the master here being described, but there's a lot of focus upon the Supreme Being, that God is within you and you have a direct relationship with God even in your isolation from the spiritual community and that's what I mean by Santmat in its pure form there is Guru Bhakti but there is a lot of God Bhakti and 
beware if you're part of a spiritual group where there's only the master bhakti and not much god bhakti because that would be very different than the spiritual path that we find here being taught by Swamiji Maharaj, one of the great masters of the last few centuries. Letter number five. It has been ordered that whatever you had asked of the exalted Darbar or realm of Sat Guru Sahib has been granted to you. Don't be impatient. Giving up all restlessness, remember the holy feet of the Guru. You are not aware of the Guru's wisdom and his acts. You will surely come and meet me. But meanwhile, the Kal's head is being broken. Do not think that you have been separated, but that Kal is being made subservient to you, and how many people are being benefited by it. That is why your separation has been tolerated by me, and you yourself know it. Knowing all this, why do you feel so uneasy? This exactly is the condition of those charitable and great souls who live for others. The reward that they receive is that they are deprived of food, drink, sleep, laughter, conversation, and all comforts of the body and the mind. But you do allow call to gain a little strength now and then. So rest assured, the Guru will look after this when you meet him. All does not depend upon presence in person, though you are shortly to be present. Do you know it? Look up to Maj, the will of the Guru. He is always gracious and merciful and will never keep you devoid of his grace. An ocean of bliss and happiness is being filled for you. You will bathe in it, drink its nectar, and will distribute much of it to others as well. You know not what gift to ask for, nor the manner in which to ask for it. The giver, the supreme being or lord, is ashamed of your petty requests. Such requests simply are put forward by unworthy people. What are these trifles that you ask for? Henceforth it is not necessary for you to ask for anything. Now go on observing what the Master gives you of his own accord, which you could never even dream of. Well, what can a child ask for? At the moment he will ask for a ball, and a bat, or a yo-yo, or a top, whereas his father has got prepared for him a garden and a glass palace. But what does he know of these things? After these days of childhood and ignorance are over, the moon and sun will be the balls, and the Milky Way, the stick, and the Lord and his devotee will play together in the fields of Soon and Mahasoon, the great void and the void, and the shabds or sounds will resound all round. On one side your sisters will be there, and on the other your brothers. How great will be your bliss when you experience those ecstasies. This, in fact, is only an illustration, but that reservoir is, of course, fathomless. And now the time is coming for you to see all this glory. Therefore be patient and have endurance. And furthermore, Satguru is the Almighty Lord. 
Letter number five. The five letters of Swamiji Maharaj to Hazur. Maharaj Rai Salagram. Sounded like Hazur Maharaj wrote letters when he was lonely, felt especially lonely, separated and isolated from his spiritual master and satsang community. You know, when you read letters written to various disciples, it's like they're being written to us too. That's certainly true of this collection of letters, also the letters of Baba Jamal Singh, letters of Sawan Singh, Kirpal Singh. Originally, these letters were written to other initiates on the path, but there's just something very personal and real that we too can feel part of when we read those letters, if we're on the same path with the same issues in life. We benefit from those letters too, and we often find sentences in those letters seemingly addressed to us as well. The next letter, the final letter, saved from Swamiji's well. It didn't get thrown down Swamiji's well. Is a letter of Swamiji Maharaj to his younger brother, Bindraban Sahib. My most beloved, blessed, and eminent brother, Lala Bindraban, may you always prosper. After blessings for enhancement of your wealth and rank, which is the genuine wish of my heart, I should like you to know that by the grace of Satguru Sahib, all is well here, for which we should be grateful to the Almighty. I believe that since the time you left this place for Ajmer, you have been attending to your official work with care and honesty, and that you are leading and guiding others also along the path of honesty and righteousness, following as a regular rule of conduct the advice which I have been giving you of discharging your duties faithfully and honestly, you should at the same time remain engaged in your devotion to the Master, but for attending to those two duties, namely first your official work, which provides the means of your livelihood, and secondly, devotion to the Supreme Being, who bestows the precious gift of eternal life, you should on no account attend to anything else. Such course of action, such course of action will lead to your advancement and progress in both worlds. You should not feel disheartened during periods of worries and difficulties. Keep on reading the holy books which you have with you, and do not, even for a moment, forget the two instructions given above. I too am busy with official work. Your first letter should contain a description of that place and of the journey. I shall then write to you whatever would seem appropriate at the time. Under all circumstances, keep yourself engaged in the devotion to the Guru. Do not think of doing anything but good to your friend and foe alike. 
you should attune your mind to the will of the Supreme Creator. Whatever He wills shall come to pass. Under all conditions keep cheerful and smiling, and, when necessary, read my letter with attention, so that it may afford you the necessary peace of mind when you are faced with any difficulty. Keep your spirits high in whatever you do, with blessings. Please convey my respects to revered Lala Nandishankar. I have the same message for him. He should also keep his mind engaged in devotion to the Almighty alone and should not get himself entangled in unnecessary worldly affairs. To say anything more to him would be like teaching medicine to Lugman. I close with blessings. All is well at the residence of that gentleman. Please accept Satnam from Shiva Naran, clerk of the office, and respects from Babu Ram Dan, writer, signed, Shiv Dayal. The reference to would be teaching medicine to Lugman. It would be like teaching medicine to Lugman. I suppose that's a cultural reference to someone who is a great uh, doctor. You know, it would be like saying teaching science to Carl Sagan, something like that. Lugman must have been a, a doctor of medicine and uh, knowledgeable. So a long-lost, subtle cultural reference there near the end of this letter. Those are the letters of Swamiji Maharaj that have survived. Swamiji's well. Hope you've enjoyed today's edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio. Well, well, well. The writings that did not get thrown down the well. If you're curious about the writings of Swamiji Maharaj, which I sometimes liken to the Gnostic Gospels of Sant Mat, or... Sometimes they're treated in a Nag Hammadi-like fashion, kind of lost touch with long ago by some. To receive links to the letters of Swamiji Maharaj and the other books of Swamiji, Send me an email at this address, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. There is a book called The Esoteric Instructions. There is Sarbachan Radhaswami Poetry, Volume 1. Sarbachan Radhaswami Poetry, Volume 2. Sarbachan Prose, Parts 1 and 2, in one volume. A couple of books of selections from the Sarbachan Radhaswami Poetry. The Letters of Swamiji to Hazur Maharaj and The One Letter to His Younger Brother, Swamiji's Commentary or Elucidation on the Japji of Guru Nanak, as well as The Last Words of Swamiji Maharaj. Plus also of interest would be the biography of Swamiji Maharaj, as well as the biography of his wife Radhaji, and, of course, the Bhaktamal of the Radhaswami faith. Short biographical sketches of early satsangis, including that notorious account of Chachaji throwing a big stack of letters and other documents of Swamiji down Swamiji's well at Swamibhag in Agra. 
I have a link to these books you can read online. Scroll below, read the notes section that accompany this program at YouTube. If you're listening elsewhere, just send me an email, and I'll happily send you the link to these writings online. My email address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. If you're within the U.S., you can text me at this number, 508-603-9381. It's a Google number, so texts I can receive from anywhere in the world, but overseas replies don't seem to go through. I got a text from someone in Germany and tried to answer them back by way of that Google number, sending a, a text, or trying to send a text, and was not able to get through. So uh, if you're in the U.S., feel free to use the text messaging. You know, send a message or a text to that number, 508-603-9381. Otherwise, outside the U.S., probably the safest bet is to use the email address, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. As they say, like and subscribe, as well as click the bell to get alerts about programs, new programs, new podcasts, being uploaded to this channel. There is a donate button on my website, spiritualawakeningradio.com. Also at my website are buttons to daily spiritual quotes by way of Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and other sites. Also, there is my blog. There's also the Sant Radhaswami e-library. Many different buttons there at the website that take you to archives of past podcasts and writings and articles online spiritualawakeningradio.com see you in a few more days for the next edition of spiritual awakening radio